Hello and welcome to today's episode of Platinum Talks Wealth. Emmy-nominated journalist Jennifer Rogers Markwell changed gears in her television career when she realized the need to help women make sense of investing. She regularly hosts educational workshops to empower women and others to take charge of their financial future. Now, join your host, Platinum Wealth Management President Jennifer Rogers Markwell as she leads us into the world of money memories, money infidelities, and how these can mold our relationships relationship with our personal finances as adults. Let's dive into today's episode. Hi, thanks for joining us on the Platinum Talks Wealth Podcast. It's Jennifer Rogers Markwell, and I'm joined by Bethany Jean is so fantastic. And we were just teasing that we've known each other over 20 years, which is, I don't even know how it's possible. You haven't changed a bit. <laughs> Well, tell me about, obviously, I mean, I follow you on social media and millions of other people do too. So you're doing all the things. Tell me about what you do, how you do it, all of it. Okay. Millions is a, a generous upgrade. Well, there's, there's <laughs> lots. Like, let's be honest. You've got lots and lots of folks. That is, that's really sweet to say. So I am a personal style consultant. Um, I specialize in sort of overall life makeovers. My background is hairstyling. That's how you and I are acquainted. I was your hairstylist 20 years ago when you were on air for um, a news anchor. So that's how you and I got to know each other. And we we booked hours and hours of hair time together. So it's a really special profession. I also own an interior design company. So I do personal life curation for interiors. And then I also am a style expert. So I do... Uh, wardrobe styling style consulting for my clients it's really just about my client it's about getting to know them what is going to make them happy and what's going to um, make their life the most fulfilling day-to-day and bring them the most joy yeah and I feel like you do even more than that though right like you are all over the place you are repping brands you are modeling you are i mean you're doing so just it your life is fun it's fun that's fun uh, so nice well i i modeled when i was younger and then i took a break for a while and when i started hosting i, I guess i didn't say that i had a talk show for a while interviewing is what i love i really just am conversational i love i'm obsessed with people i love the human story i love individual inspiration and I could just talk to people all day and I had the privilege of doing that doing hair for decades so that that's always been my driving force behind anything I've ever done in an entrepreneurial realm has always been about conversation and getting to know the individual so I don't I maybe got off on a bunny trail there but anyways so I have a hosting agent and I do stuff like that so they also were like you know you should also have a print agent because you, you know, you can model, you should be modeling. And I'm like already a mom. And I was like, really? Do you guys really want me to do that? But it's been really fun. I've gotten some modeling gigs. So I just um, was hired and, and selected, I was told, by Gwen Stefani for her makeup line. So that's probably what you're used of. I'm just, you know, a model. <laughs> well, I know talking to people, obviously you hear all kinds of crazy stories. You learn from everyone that you're around as well. You've always been a sponge in that, which has been fantastic. And Sometimes, I mean, even a counselor, I think, being, you know, behind the chair and and supporting people and making them their best selves. Mm -hmm. So we like to talk about money memories and and money memories that you're open to sharing either from others or from your own, you know, experiences in your own life. 
Some people take a money memory that they had as a child and it really molded their relationship with money as an adult. What resonates with you? So I had to give this one some thoughts. Um, I, even though I am an entrepreneurial person and mindset, and I try to work with whatever I have to build wealth, essentially, I have to start by saying, I truly believe money is a tool. It's not the prize. So I already probably am coming at this concept from a different mindset than maybe a lot of your listeners. So hear me out anyway, guys. Um, I just think life is about passion. It's about perfect, excuse me, purpose. It's about, it's about dreams and ideas and individuality and being open to what your energetic purpose is. Like, like what is being told to you? Are you open to pursuing things that aren't even really in your path? That to me is your, your prize. I, there's this really great quote, um, to desire is to obtain, to aspire is to achieve. That's a good one. And I think that's so important to keep in mind. You know, desiring and obtaining is kind of a shallow life. I understand that that's sort of counterintuitive, right, to what we're doing here with wealth building. But when you aspire and you achieve, like, that's a full life. So I think everyone should be digging deep about what makes them an individual. What is their own purpose? What is their toolbox of gifts that they were just born into the world having? You might even have a career you're in right now that isn't even in line with what your highest purpose is. So that's kind of what I do. I come in with clients and I'm like, what, what, are you, what are you here to do? What's your real purpose? What's your dreams? What are the things you have on the shelf that you just thought, well, I could never do that because of X, Y, Z. I can tell you for me, it was interior design. That's just my own personal story. I was a little girl out in the country in the Sierras in a town where no one had an interior designer. It's amazing I even knew the term. That wasn't a thing, you know. <laughs> and I was like this awkward sort of quirky kid, you know, at church and functions meeting older people and being like, so have you ever sponge painted your bathroom? Or like, what's your color scheme for your, you know, I was just so into interiors and, and curating spaces because they had that they control how you feel to a certain extent. Your environment has a massive impact on your mental health, your emotional well-being and your inspiration and your, your freedom to just live and cheer and joy. So I was like, oh my gosh, to be an interior designer or a fashion designer, either one, I would have just lived to create in that space. And I ended up going to UNR and UNR didn't have a uh, design program at that time. So when I was there, there wasn't an interior design program. There wasn't a fashion design program. So I became this vague art major, which was great and fine. I mean, I loved art and I probably had the best grades I ever had in my life. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm doing art. But I kind of had this like talk with my parents at one point where I was like, I'm just wasting your money. What am I going to do? Be a starving artist in Reno, Nevada or Tahoe or I'm going to be a ballerina. Like, let's get real. What am I really doing here? And I had a girlfriend going to beauty school and she said, hey, you should come to beauty school with me. And I was kind of resistant at first. I thought being a hairstylist um, paled in comparison to being a designer. And, but I buckled anyway, because I thought, geez, I need to, I need to make money. So I went to beauty school. I was really fortunate. I, I was gifted this career that I never sought after. And look at me now. Now I look at my clients on red carpets and stuff. 
I mean, that is just truly a gift that came my way to have that career path. And that has scratched a deep itch in my soul because I'm so extroverted and I'm so in love with individuals and the human experience. And it's given me this gift of conversation. I get to just talk to people all day, every day. I know things about my clients, their own spouses don't know. I mean, I just, I have such great insight into, into life because of that. So move all the way forward. All these years later, I moved to LA. I've been in Beverly Hills doing hair now for 11 years. And um, when the pandemic struck, beauty professionals were truly raped of their livelihood. Like we all know restaurants had it hard. They did. I'm not saying they didn't. Restaurants had it hard, but they were still considered essential. They still had the option of rolling up their window and doing to-go food. Hairstylists didn't. And Los Angeles took it extremely serious. No one was getting their hair done. There was no house calls. Salons were closed. So there was sort of this social responsibility and weight that I, I am not allowed to make money doing what I do right now. And if your grandma dies because I gave you a haircut, like I can't, I can't live with that. So I truly respected it and I didn't do hair, but I am really quick on early on. I mean, I didn't sit around for a week before I was like, I gotta, I'm a doer. I gotta do something with my time. So I immediately started taking design classes. And then I joined an interior design coaching group. And within, I would say two months of the pandemic, I owned a design company. I had an LLC and I was like bidding jobs and educating myself. I still educate myself daily. I mean, you have to be basically a general contractor to really understand every aspect. So there's a lot to learn. But that was my second wind bonus chapter of my career. I mean, I would have never thought I could have done it. I spent 20 years being like, oh, I would have loved to have been an interior designer while I'm slaving away doing hair, you know. Wait a pivot. It's, it's, so it just, it just goes to show I'm 42. I'm a mom. I had massive financial dire straits this time three years ago, and now I have two businesses. And so I, well, technically three. How many businesses do I have? So many businesses. But I'm, I've really um, managed to balance that financial devastation and supplement that income. And then it's been, been great. Was there a moment when you were a little girl that you, I mean, I know you said the sponge painting in the bathroom, right? Which kind of led you to your career path, which kind of created your money memories for you in essence. Was there a moment that was like just that pivotal moment that was like, okay, here's my, my aha moment. I want to say yes, because it would lead to an interesting story, but I don't know. I think my most pivotal moment wasn't as a child for money. And I could get into that too. I think that has something to do with being raised rural and being raised in a household with a mom that didn't work outside of the home. She supported my dad's business and raised children. And so I don't think I had enough of a, a drive and an entrepreneurial mindset as a child and as a young woman. There was truly a part of me that was so focused on getting married and having children. Like being a mom was so, so important to me. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't have Bowie till I was 35. 
I was a geriatric pregnancy. Look at all of those years that I was just like kind of getting by. Yeah. Like I'm making money, I'm doing hair. And to be honest, I made pretty good money doing hair. I was pretty busy and I had a good life. I was vacationing four days a week. I only worked like three days. I mean, it was good. But it wasn't until I had Bowie, something about having my daughter made me realize, whoa, there is so much more to my life story than building Bowie's life story. Like, I not only need to invest in her finding herself, I need to play catch up and invest in myself. And that's when I started, you know, as I said, I was very conversational. I was very interested in interviewing. So I was home nursing. Like, when are you ever home watching daytime television? It was like an absurd season. <laughs> Such a doer. And I remember watching The View, The Talk, The Real, all these, the talk shows, and thinking, they do what I do. Like, I do that. I should do that. How do I do that? I want to do that. I want to I wanna do talk show stuff. This is like so fun. They're not even breaking their back. They don't even have a chiropractor appointment. <laughs> they just get to show up. <laughs> so... I immediately was like, okay, where do I start? So the first thing I knew to do is I just started recording my hairstyling sessions. If I had a client that was, you know, an entertainment or something and had a following and I felt comfortable enough with them to be like, hey, when I come over to do your extension, you're going to do this thing. I'm starting to do this thing. It's called therapy where we're just going to record our conversation. And so I started that. And then I started doing them live through Instagram so their fans could log on and ask them questions and then we could chat it out. So, I mean, it was a very primitive step one to my goals, but it was a start. And then I didn't do that very long before I was in hosting classes and I got my hosting coach, um, shout out Shannon O'Dowd, and she's really helped me move forward. And I started doing news segments and then I got an After Buzz TV doing panel talk, which is entertainment related, which isn't really my thing. But it was just sort of um, a step in the right direction. And then I landed EverTalk TV. I had a show there called Down to the Root. Very catchy. Um, so I filmed like five episodes and then the pandemic struck and there was no interviews and there was no studios and I was, I was down and out. So that was that. So I haven't had a talk show since then, but. And you should. I know we were talking about podcasting. I'm like, serious. You, of all people. That's so sweet. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Sometimes I think about it. It's truly just, I can't imagine the time. I feel like it, I don't know if it's, um, I don't know if, what's that term? The squeeze is worth the juice. I don't know if I would get enough out of investing my time into a podcast to actually propel forward. Yeah, really about hearing other stories. I like I like listening and sharing. Right. Like another thing we talk about are money infidelities, which I find fascinating. Right. We've heard them. Maybe we've experienced them. Folks have gone through them or, you know, your aunt down the street, whatever. Have there been any money infidelities that that you're open to sharing that you've either experienced or heard of that folks could learn from? Yes. Yes, there has. And the moral of the story going into it is to listen to your gut. And watch out for yourself. Watch out for your own back. If, if, you're, if your intuition is telling you, I wouldn't do that, then don't do it. So here's my story. I'm on my second marriage now. I'm married to a wonderful man, Ryan. He's a dream. And talk about came out of nowhere. Didn't see it coming. He was like an old acquaintance. He's a dream. But prior to marrying Ryan, I was married to someone else. 
And we were, it was a very short-lived young marriage, um, like in our 20s. So anyways, I had a very firm career in that time. You knew me in this time. I was probably doing your hair. And I was very focused on building my own, well, not to say it wouldn't have benefited the family, but I just mean, I was, I had my own career. He didn't really have a career path at that point. He was just working jobs. And because I had more money in the bank and I made substantially more money per hour, then I made a lot of the financial decisions. And I was young and I was probably a little, I don't know, maybe I was, I don't know what I was, who knows, but maybe I was bossy or something about it or controlling of finances. Cause I was like, no, no, no. Yes. You're cool. You're cool. You know, whatever. <laughs> and we were reading this book and we were in a group. And one of the big things was that it's really important for men to feel like they make financial decisions and that it can be very, very detrimental for women to sort of wear the financial hat exclusively and control like it's demasculating, basically. So flash forward, no joke, a week or so later, we're in Mexico. And I am there with another couple. They already own a timeshare. And we just wanted to go on the dinner cruise. I mean, we were all saving like a whole <laughs> hairs, whatever, right? So we're like, okay. It's always about the dinner cruise, right? Watch, it's always about cruise. Watch out for dinner cruises. Yeah. Just buy your own ticket. <laughs> so we were like, okay, we'll get a dinner cruise. We go to this. The th I sat through the whole thing being like, okay, that was cute. Are we done here yet? And when it's all said and done, they sit down and they're like, so if you buy this and if you, and if you rent these and you sell these, you'll vacation for free every year for the rest of your life. Plus you'll make money. Plus you'll pass it on to your kids for a hundred years. And they gave out the whole thing. I'm just a little bit frugal. I'm a, I live on the frugal side a little bit. And I was just like, okay, well, not doing that. <laughs> Let's return to our regularly scheduled margaritas and tanning. And my husband was like, oh, okay, so if we rent it here, and to him, he was like, this is a, this is a move, this is a business move. So long story short, I reluctantly, I felt like Ariel signing away to earth oh. from my life. I was like, okay, I guess we're going to do this. You're losing your voice. How like, ironic, right? Ironic, right. Ariel story, yes. For a guy, gave up my voice. So it was all in my name all on my credit score, my, my impeccable, perfect credit score. And long story short, um, that guy left me like a year later. I owned a timeshare in Mexico that I owned, I don't know, probably $40,000 left on maybe 50 or something. When it was all said and done with all of the interest and all the stuff I paid for, I estimated it up once. I probably was in the hole like $60,000 to own a timeshare I've used for two weeks in my life. Uh, and recently, and I, and I continued to pay it because I really cared about my credit score. In yeah. fact, some people might have advised, so many people advised me to let it go. They were like, just let it go, just let it go. But I really cared about my credit score. And I guess it was worth it because I did have a good credit score and then I moved to LA and I needed to have a place to live and I bought a new car and stuff like that so you know maybe it was worth just paying it off but so I've had that timeshare now for well I guess 12 years so recently I called on it and just thought man I get calls I get solicitation about it weekly 
hi, uh, we have Vendetta. We we have a a, a golf something coming, like a tour. Do you want to rent your thing? It's always a scam. Don't do uh. it. Not real. It's just a scam. So I never do it. I've never rented it. I've never made a dime on it. It's only been a, a suck. And so I thought, you know, I'm just going to call and just see what my options are, where I'm at with this thing. I mean, I paid it off years ago, but, and they were like, oh, it's fallen into default. You don't own it anymore. <laughs> oh gosh. Said, yeah. In 2020, you would have had to renew your contract. Fine print. Spanish fine print, probably. So anyways, there, you know, for $2,000, you can renew your contract. And I was like, no, keep it. I mean, here's the advice, guys. You can travel all-inclusively to Mexico for cheaper than a timeshare maintenance fee. In addition to, you know, the mortgage aspect of it. So that that is by far my biggest financial woe. That is a story. I haven't heard that one yet. Thank you for sharing. Always hear say no to timeshares. It's like, no, seriously, say no to timeshares. <laughs> not where you can like put your kids through college, guys. Oh, man. So that ties in perfectly with our next and final part of the conversation. What are tips or tricks that you use to utilize money differently in your household? Right. Some people are bargain shoppers. Some people go to the grocery store certain days. Some people, you know, try to really you know, bargain things out. Some people are like, nope, I'm absolutely going to spend money, but here's how I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it in ways where I know where that money is coming from. What, what does that look like for you? Well, I don't know that I currently have a great system, um, but I can tell you my earliest money memory, I did give that some thought, was to tithe. Mm. I was raised in, in church, so to tithe. So whether you're religious or not, I truly believe the whole give some, save some, spend some cycle works. I believe in generosity and I, I don't believe it's lost. I believe it's sowing into your own blessing as well as someone else's. I think it multiplies. So in all things I do, I try to take a portion of money out and I donate it. And I sponsor a little girl in Africa. I've been sponsoring her, by the way, by 12, uh, 12 years now. And she just sent me a letter saying she's going to beauty school to be a hairstylist. Blew my mind. That's awesome. Yeah, really cool. And she just had a baby. So I give some, I am a little bit of a pack rat for saving. I really believe in saving for rainy days. And that is a priority to me. Um, you may have heard the term, act your wage. You know, I do think trying to keep your overhead low is super important. But I also believe in having fun. And I think there's more to living than saving money. So I just, because my, I don't, I'm not on salary. I don't have an hourly wage. I am a hand to mouth sort of feast or famine, you know, member of society. So I try to put away when the going's good and try to live small when it's not. And I, um, and I be, and I am generous throughout it all. I love that. One thing that you were saying earlier um, before we were actually recording was keeping how, how you do it in your own household, if you're open to sharing that. Like some people will overlap accounts with spouses or partners. Some don't. Some are like, no, here's some of my stuff. Like IT is like my husband likes to buy sweaters and fancy shoes. And I'm like, really? 
that's, that's his thing, right? That's his jam and he works hard for what he does. So that's fine. And then we have kind of the middle ground with accounts where we pay, you know, bills for the house or whatever. Yeah. And everyone has their thing. And I think it's really important to respect their thing as long as it's not a detriment to the rest of the household, right? Yes. Yes. Um, so Ryan and I have an unusual situation because we don't actually have a joint account. We never have. That's not to say we won't. We talk about it sometimes. We're kind of like, I uh, need to do something smart. But I can tell you what one of my clients told me that she does. And she's recently married. And similarly, she and her husband both have their own businesses. So they both have their own pots and now they have children. So this is what she said. Because when you have small children, when one person is working, the other is likely to be taking over family responsibilities and staying home with the child, right? Mm -hmm. Or whatever that looks like, to and from school and things. You just can't both be, in our case, in LA, it's like you can't both be on set for 18-hour days. Who's, it takes a village. Yes. Yeah, you can't unless you are doing really well financially and you can have someone sort of living in with you and you're paying for drivers and like all sorts of things. That's not us. Um, and to be honest, we don't want it to be us. We are yeah. people that chose to keep Bowie home with us. So we've been juggling her our whole life and that has made a financial juggle. We, neither of us are working at the same time. I mean, yes, when she's at school, but prior to school, you know, she's in first grade. We're new to this. We're new to having like hours in the day where we can both work. So what was suggested to me is that you have a pot in the center. And when one person is working, a percentage of that income goes to the pot. So even the person staying at home is saying, yeah, I'm not making money today, but I'm watching our household bank account go up. So I still have skin in the game. Like I still have some motivation and then vice versa. So you're both building together. And then I think it's more refreshing when the other person goes to work and then the other person gets to like stay home and, and manage the household. That's an interesting perspective. Yeah, I think it's a good system, you know, and it kind of allows, it allows people to feel like they can say yes and not feel as guilty for like, oh my gosh, but you're going to have to stay home, you know, or whatever. I also think um, it's sort of a reminder that we're just all there to support each other. Yeah. I was just going to say that that's a team environment right there. Yeah. A win for one is a win for the team. Totally. Oh, so good catching up with you. Thank you so much for spending some time. You Sorry, I just sort of rambled your face off. I, I, I had so many more tips and notes, but we didn't get to work. Well, we can do it again. We'll do it again. I love that. I would love that. And I will say in um, Harding, books that influence me, um, Jen Sincero, You're a Badass at Making Money. I'm sure you've read that one. Yes. It's all about your mindset. You know, you, what you think you can do is what you can do. And I believe that. Also, um, James Allen at The Man Thinketh. You know, it's, it's old, tale as old as time. What you, what you believe you are is what you are. Yeah. So what's your money making is your mindset, what you're capable of doing, what you do. Our dreamers are our future. Goodness. Well, thank you so much. Great to spend some time with you. And thanks all of you who are listening or watching us on the Platinum Talks Wealth podcast. If you enjoyed today's podcast, Platinum Talks Wealth, please subscribe and share. For more information about Jennifer Rogers Markwell or Platinum Wealth Management, please visit www.platinumwealth.net.
Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member of FINRA and SIPC. The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision. The guest speakers and their companies are not affiliated with or endorsed by LPL Financial or Platinum Wealth Management.